Hi, Janina. Hi, Emma. This is History is Sexy because History is Sexy. I don't know what more we can say about that. It's just an obvious fact. It is an obvious fact, and I know that for an obvious fact because I have spent like 20 years of my life doing almost nothing except studying history, and I wouldn't do that if it wasn't sexy. No, what would be the point? What's the point of studying anything for any length of time that isn't sexy? I am a professional historian, and I would not do that if it wasn't (laughs) the most fun thing in the world. But you're not a professional historian, and that means that you're doing this just out of the love of it. Yeah, I am... I am historian to the point where I took some 200 level history papers one time okay yeah. is that at uni- I don't really know what that means is that at university yeah, that's or is that like, like sec- that's like school? second year university like okay history, like 100 I mean that's... 100 level is what your first year and that's like history 101 level right. and then history 203 or it's not like history it would be specific something but yeah second year okay. university so qualified i mean i've met people less qualified who've tried to tell me about history so <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm fine with that should we introduce ourselves properly sure you go first you're the okay. professional hi janina my name is emma i'm dr emma southern and i have a phd in roman history and i just really love history who are you? Um, I am Janina Matthewson. I'm not a doctor of anything. Um, I you're a noted storyteller. I, t- I do some stories. Uh, so Dreamweaver. I also love history, but I am more likely to be taken in by bad history. So I imagine that a lot of the time oh. I'll come in and say something like, "One th- one time I read about this thing in history." And it was this. Is it going to be Philippa Gregory books? I have read a lot of Philippa Gregory books. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, um, and then you can tell okay. me how wrong I am all the time. I'll do my best. Yeah. I mean, I might well come at you and be like, so I heard that this is what happened in New Zealand. And you'll be like, no, Emma. Yeah, um, I mean, so... I may not know, though, because New Zealand is very good at not teaching us a huge amount about our history because um, it's full of the normal colonial oppressions, and we don't like to think about that. We have that in common. <laughs> um, so we both know nothing about our own country, but things about other countries. That's good. <laughs> uh, so what are we going to do on our History is Sexy podcast, Janina? Me, a historian, and you, not a historian. So, I think we're going to talk about some things in which you are expert. Obviously, as discussed, I'm expert in nothing. But we're also going to explore some things that we, neither of us are expert in, and we're going to learn about them and and tell everyone else. We're going to research the stuff that other people don't have time to research. Yeah. And answer their questions. So, what question are we going to answer today? I believe the question for our first ever episode is... Uh, what did the Romans ever do for us? What did the Romans ever do for us? What have the Romans ever done for us? So we picked this question because it's a question that everybody asks me whenever they find out what I do, which is write books about Romans. Um, and they always think that they're being really funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on, I go to parties and or I 
meet people that I've never met before and they think that they're just being really unique and hilarious. Yeah. Like um, no one else has and... ever connected this particular <laughs> like, bit of Monty Python with your job before. Yeah, like, like no one else has seen niche underground cult film The Life of Brian, um, which is what the, the quote is from. And it comes from the bit in The Life of Brian where the Judean people's front or the people's front of Judea, whichever one they are, are planning to overthrow the Romans and arguing that the Romans have never done anything good for them apart from sanitation, medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, freshwater system and public health and peace. And that's the joke that the Romans, they hated the Romans, but the Romans were actually kind of great to them mm-hmm. um, and brought them all these wonderful things. Um, it's a little bit of imperialist so, humour. It's a nice little bit of imperialist humour, but I am a fun person, so obviously I always just recite the speech at them, um, <laughs> which shuts them down because no one can ever remember it. Um, <laughs> uh, and then that tends to shut down any conversations at parties, so invite me to your party. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, we met at a party and look... Where we, we are now. Look where we are now. Yeah. Uh, we did meet at a party. You didn't ask me what the Romans ever did for us, though, because I, otherwise I don't think we would be yeah, here. Yeah, no, right I, did not, I did not ask you that. <laughs> yeah. So but I think you know, this could be my definitive answer, and then at future parties I will direct them to, to this episode. I think that's reasonable. And then maybe I'll have it printed on some kind of card and then I can wander away and talk to somebody else. Yeah, just hand them a card and um, walk off. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen that thing on the internet with where they have tall people and they have little cards and they say, yes, I am tall, no, I don't play basketball. <laughs> um, I am six or eight, I don't play basketball. The weather up here is the same as it is down there. Thank you very much. This was a lovely interaction or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, be like that. Uh, <laughs> where, but I'm just like, would you like to listen to an like, hour-long podcast? <laughs> me and my friend Janina talking. <laughs> to answer any questions you may have on this issue. Yeah, um, and we've decided to complicate it because... It, so I, I googled it, and as it turns out, and this probably isn't going to be a surprise to you either, loads of other people have attempted to answer this question, but there are like two different ways of answering the question. And the first one is the approach of the life of Brian, which mm-hmm. is to ask what did the Romans do for the people that they conquered after they marched into their city and killed all of their rulers and then <laughs> uh, <laughs> took some people into slavery and kind of knocked the entire place down and rebuilt it in their own image. What did they do for them? <laughs> um, and the other approach that a lot of people take is what did have they done for us in the modern world mm-hmm. because they are the romans have such a a long legacy um because they conquered everywhere <laughs> um as it happens they left and they built a lot of stuff in stone uh, they had left a lot of stuff behind mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. as we learned in detectorists which was all about we finding did. roman crap finding coins everywhere yeah. and if you ever follow any kind of coin people on twitter numismatics people which i do then you'll see just that there are a lot of roman coins just being found all the time really um tons of them like hordes constantly showing up and people being like here is another roman coin and like the the amount of roman coins it's interesting because i took well i said i took he took my partner took me to um cologne Mm -hmm. last year about this time last year and um 
It was really the first time that he had been to a museum that was exclusively dedicated to Romans uh, because they have a big German Roman museum because Cologne was founded by the Empress Agrippina Mm -hmm. um, and was this huge Roman colony and was like the the capital of one of the provinces in Germany and he was wandering around looking at it and about two thirds of the way around he went the Romans left behind a lot of stuff (laughs) (laughs) and they really left behind and they have like piles genuine piles of pots and piles of glass and coins that you if you and that's just the stuff that's on display yeah. and it's the same in this was all museums all over the it's world it's like um one of my favorite things in um athens which is obviously not roman just one i'm just saying it so everyone knows <laughs> i'm was, aware the greeks and the romans are different the greeks and the romans are different but greece was and Athens was a Roman colony, so yeah. it's okay. But um, the, <laughs> my favourite thing there was in the Athens metro, when they dug the tunnels, they just all they found were ruins and leftover ancient yes. shit. So they it's displayed just... you. They, it's nothing to do with it because museums are already they're pretty full. <laughs> so they just display it all yeah. in, the, in the metro stations. So every station you get out and they're like, Look at this ancient thing we found when we dug this tunnel. It's like you can't, yeah. you can't breathe for pottery and columns. It's, it's the same thing in Rome because any time they try to do works on the metro there, they have to stop it every like, two weeks because they found another skeleton or they found another Roman road or they found another house. There was a big thing maybe a year and a half ago now where um, they were building a new McDonald's and they found a Roman road. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they decided that the best thing to do would be to essentially build the McDonald's around the road so you can go to it now. And they've glassed over uh-huh. the road. That's so cool. The, so essentially it's got a, it's a McDonald's with a glass floor and then underneath is the Roman road. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the Romans were just preposterously productive <laughs> and much like ourselves but with worse technology they liked convenience and so they would build stuff constantly and as a result when they kind of declined they just left a lot of shit behind <laughs> like just rubbish everywhere <laughs> like all coins is like imagine how many 1p coins they're gonna find in 2000 years <laughs> i don't think they'll find them though because 1p coins are not made from impressive like well they're not made of gold so i did a uh, when i was That's a kid true. i did a really poorly put together time capsule in my backyard which i filled with was it cardboard box no it wasn't it was just cardboard it was box. not cardboard but it was something not much better than that and i put a bunch of one and two cent coins in because at the time when i was making it they were just going out of circulation um know. and I dug it up. It can't have been that much later. I was 11 when I dug it up because we were moving away from that house and they'd all like started, they were all already rusting away to nothing because it's just shitty. What are they? Is it, are they made of nickel or something? They're like some, yeah, like some kind of alloy. I have absolutely Not as long lasting a metal as gold. True. Not a lot of Roman coins are made out of gold though. Are they not? Um, unfortunately. No. Um, like bronze and silver mostly. Yeah. Gold ones are, like, special. 
find a gold coin. I mean, that makes sense. And also, the Romans had a real problem after, like, Hadrian, I think was the first one, or Trajan. They had to, they just did not have enough enough actual metal to go around, basically, Uh so they started devaluing their coins significantly. Oh, like, as in, like, Um, shaving off the... Yeah, so... Like it did not weigh as much as it should do, or it started to mm-hmm. be. It would be silver mixed with a lot of other stuff, and people. But because they obviously didn't have anything, like it was worth what it was worth because it was worth what it was worth in silver and what it was made of. Yeah. Um. There's no like the gold standard. I'm. T- I don't understand anything about economics. So if that's wrong, then please email me and tell me. But basically, it's worth what it's worth because it is made of the thing that it says it's worth. I mean, that's um, the same as pounds, right? And they're pounds because they're meant to weigh a pound of in gold so yeah and didn't um, it used to be like a thing here where like all the pounds had to be rounded up because over time they would erode and not be worth a pound anymore yeah. yeah um but instead of everybody kind of agreeing or like it it's not really a pound anymore but it we're still saying it's worth a pound if it didn't weigh the right amount then it wasn't worth the right amount basically yeah so you would have a coin and you would think that it was worth so much but then it would be like 50% nickel or 25% nickel and therefore did not weigh the amount that it was supposed to and therefore doesn't count. It caused a lot of problems and was one of the reasons why the empire fell. But that's for a different story for another day. Uh, (laughs) um, It's very complicated. They left a lot of stuff behind is what we're we're trying to say here because they like to produce a lot of stuff. Um, And they left a lot of visible marks on the landscape. And so there are a certain kind of institution like the Telegraph that likes to talk about that as if it was some kind of inherent good to leave a stamp on the (laughs) landscape, basically. (laughs) But before we get to that, we're going to talk about what did the Roman people do? What did the Romans do for the people that it colonised? Mm-hmm. Which sounds, from a modern perspective, really terrible. Like, as soon as you say that someone was colonised, it's difficult to say that they did good things for them because it's hard to talk about it without making it sound like you're saying that empire is good and therefore that actually maybe the British Empire was good. Yes, um, right. Which obviously, no. <laughs> Which obviously, no. And you're not going to find me making any arguments about, like, all but train lines in India because that's obviously terrible and racist as hell and I'm not going to get into it but the Roman Empire was a very different thing and only some of it was conquered through violence and kind of martial (laughs) conquest some of it was conquered through literally kings dying and willing their territory into Rome and saying, I give this to you now, Rome. That's uh, like <laughs> some impressive work, you know, that's, that, that Rome was put in to yeah. con, the, con these old kings. <laughs> con these old kings, yeah. Also, it's kind of interesting to think that of a time, like if the queen died and then it turned out she'd left a will that was like, I leave you to America. <laughs> I've decided we're not like that. Actually, Charles isn't going to be the king. I've decided that American, you're going to be a republic, and you're going to be just at the fifty-first state of America. <laughs> uh, I, I would think that was a bit yeah. much, but um, but we think about the world very differently to the world, to the ancient world, um, and the Roman Empire was a very different thing to the British Empire. As much as the British Empire wanted to think that it was the new Rome and that it was bringing civilization in the same way that the Romans bought plumbing, 
Um, they were, they're not the same thing at all. <laughs> we, should, we should maybe, <laughs> I mean, that, that's probably a full episode on its own, is how did, it is. how did the British Empire compare to the Roman, and I don't know very much about it. I mean, all I know about when talking about the Roman, Romans as a colonising force in Judea, my only touch point for that is Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> Not even Life of Brian. <laughs> I've just seen Jesus Christ Superstar more times than I've seen The Life of Brian. Okay. Um, I mean, basically, they're the same thing. <laughs> they're telling the same yeah. story. I think <laughs> they are telling essentially the same story. But I think that, that it, maybe not Jesus Christ Superstar, but probably the story of Christ is the story and, and Christ being killed by the Romans and Pontius mm-hmm. Pilate and like 300 people being crucified is probably like one of the main stories that people know about the Romans in Judea, that they were an oppressive force yeah. who killed Jesus because some people complained about him <laughs> but what um, I, and because he was causing What I like fuss, about it and which what I is, like about the way it's presented in Jesus Christ Superstar is that it, the overwhelming <laughs> sense of how the Roman Empire, em, Empire operated there at that point is that it was just bureaucratic hell. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just... Yes. <laughs> the Romans uh, going back and forth with the Jewish officials being like, who's responsible? I don't want to be responsible. Do you want to be responsible? No. No. Like, um, which I find very entertaining. See, the, it's very entertaining and also fairly accurate because nobody really wanted to be responsible for Judea because it was a uniquely difficult place. They really, they were one of the few places that really, really, really didn't want to be colonised by the Romans and they didn't want to have anything to do with the Romans and they just wanted the Romans to fuck off. Um, But the Romans were there and the Romans weren't going anywhere because they didn't give up any territory unless they were essentially burned out like bedbugs. And the Romans thought that the people of Judea were bizarre cultists basically and the romans didn't understand why they wouldn't just get on with it like everybody (laughs) else and just worship the emperor and just stop bitching and the jews were like why don't you understand that we're not the same as everybody else and we don't want you and so whenever there was a problem it would get bounced around between lots of different kind of groups there's a very it's not that famous. It's famous amongst ancient historians, I guess. Uh, reasonably famous. Um, <laughs> Very famous then, just really well known um, widely. Oh, it's like, yeah, famous amongst ancient historians. Like, all, all 28 of us, we talk about it in our meetings. Um, um, but there is a moment in the reign of Nero when things really kicked off in Judea. It was another problem, not really that long just a few decades after things had kicked off with Jesus because it was during Passover and the Roman army were keeping an eye on the Passover celebrations because they Romans did not trust any group of people more than about two if there were three people (laughs) in a place then the Roman army was there keeping an eye on it and because there was this kind of very long-standing tension between the Romans and the Jews and they hated each other so much, a Roman soldier got drunk, lifted his toga and farted (laughs) on the celebrating crowd. (laughs) Which is absolutely terrible. And it's just, like, it's just, like, this terrible act of, like, an absolute dickhead doing a Mm dickheady thing. And there was a riot that kicked off and killed 
like hundreds of people as the Romans tried to put it down. And then that escalated and escalated and ended up with this kind of people from neighbouring towns, the Samaritans killing Jews and Jews killing Samaritans and people killing Romans and Romans killing everybody else. And the Romans just being like terrible, like the Romans response to everything was just to kill people. Um, <laughs> and eventually it bounced around, it like bounced to the governor and then it bounced to the um, the next person up and the next person eventually it got to the emperor and the emperor heard it and had to kind of pick a side and obviously because it was the Romans fault and you couldn't really deny it was the Romans fault he actually had the soldier whipped in the streets which is a unique occurrence um, but essentially nobody can deal with it they, they take it to the commanding officer and the commanding officer takes it to the proconsul who then takes it to the governor of the state who then takes it to the next person who then takes it to the emperor and everybody then has to go to Rome and sit with Nero who's about 18 and doesn't know what's happening <laughs> and because nobody wants to make a final decision on Judea essentially <laughs> because it is it is a unique place that really resists colonization mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter how much plumbing you put in they're never going to forgive the fact that they put an eagle on the second temple and then in in 70 walked in and burned the second temple to the ground and completely sacked jerusalem and destroyed it and the temple has never been rebuilt which is what the wailing wall is is the only remaining wall of the second yeah. temple that was destroyed by titus but yeah so they really oddly <laughs> really resisted <laughs> but because they are the only story that anybody really knows about rome is and how roman colonization is the story of mm -hmm. jesus and all the murders yeah. they come across as kind of evil oppressors which they were yeah. like I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna defend their behavior <laughs> in jerusalem <laughs> but in other places they weren't necessarily evil oppressors they could be not kindly oppressors, but they were the best way of keeping a country together mm -hmm. or they were people who had oppressed them 200 years ago, but were not, like had been there for so long that they were just how it was. So not too dissimilar to, say, New Zealand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Or even places like France and like around the Alps and Belgium, and northern France you've got they were called kind of Roman Gauls because they were they were the first people really to get colonized mm -hmm. by the Romans or the Italians even like people down in Sicily who weren't technically Roman because Rome is really just a city but they weren't kind of trying to throw out the Romans after the Romans came the Romans got them in like 200 BC and then a couple of hundred years later it was chill kind of 50 years later yeah. it was chill <laughs> 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 even uh, the bits that were conquered by Julius Caesar slightly less so because he did totally genocide them I mean um, it does make conquering a place easier <laughs> if you just kill everyone it does if there's it. almost no people left <laughs> and those that are, are so weak from starvation that they can't really yeah. move then. and I mean it is a technique <laughs> that has worked for other for other people too if all you care about is land yeah. then yes but even they like are pretty quickly were not exactly like writing treatises or campaigning against the romans in any significant way they were like oh well I suppose we better go on with it mm -hmm. um and if you look at britain you've got those who really really hated it 
and those who kind of loved it a bit. <laughs> so Boadicea is the one that everybody always talks about because she tried to fight mm-hmm. the Romans. Um, but she tried to fight the Romans because the Romans didn't recognise her husband's will or something. And then they were terrible and raped her and her daughters. That does um, make you want to rebel a little bit. Exactly. But she is sort of in the minority... And you have people like Caraticus, who's one of the earliest kind of re- British rebels who fought against the Romans and led this kind of 10-year campaign after they had arrived in under Claudius and kind of constantly fought them. But he was kind of this guerrilla warfare guy who was eventually turned over to the Romans by other British people because they wanted to get in with the Romans. Um, and his, he was had to leave his colony because his, his, they were like well in with the Romans. Um, and he turned up uh, eventually at some other, after losing a battle, turned up at another British colony and was like, hello, uh, will you shelter me and hide me from the Romans because they want to kill me? And they went, yeah, 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 no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Basically went, yeah, sure, come on in, we'll hide you behind here, and then rang up the Romans, and we're like, no, Caraticus, we've got him. <laughs> what will you give us in exchange, essentially? <laughs> so there's not... Judea is a, is a unique case of, like, Scotland, like, violent repulsion of the Romans. Which makes um, sense, I guess, because, cult- I mean, culturally, they're worlds apart, just in terms of, like, lifestyle stuff. and Oh, yeah. Uh, and probably... I mean, obviously, it's very difficult to know what people personally felt at any given time, but when you view your entire land as essentially holy and, yes. like, given to you directly by God, yes, you don't really want other people and to some... take control of it, <laughs> I imagine. No. Yeah, no. I feel like the whole history of Jerusalem is mostly don't yeah. do that. It's ours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know a lot about the Crusades, but from what I gather, it's a lot of people arguing about who's holy, who has the most holy <laughs> claim yeah. on well, it. Well, then it gets into um, all the awkward stuff about, uh, you know, the e- equal claim of Jewish yes. and, and Muslim people, which is obviously a clusterfuck, so... It's a, yeah, um, it's not to do with Romans, so I'm not going to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they had fundamentally clashing ideas about what the entire world should be. So what did they do for... I mean, we've talked about what they did for Judea. I mean, okay, if you were a Roman colony, you kind of did get some of the stuff that they say in the life of Brian out of it. If you were quite rich and in with them, like having... (laughs) They didn't just give it to you. (laughs) Like you might get meant you could buy wine you could (laughs) basically i mean yeah essentially you could buy wine from the other side of the emperor empire which is quite good like if you are living in one of the reasons that the colonization of france was so successful (laughs) was allegedly that the um the romans used to sell the french just tons of wine (laughs) um and their like essentially their wine <laughs> trade system was so good, and the, their wine was so good that the French would by the time they rolled up with the army, they were like, "Yeah, take us in," <laughs> because and you know if you're living in I don't know freaking Kent and it's cold all the time, 
And then somebody come, rolls up and is like, we have some mm-hmm. cheese and we have some wine and we have some quails. Um, would you like to purchase them? Then you'd probably be all for it if you have the means to purchase mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And the same as if you have the means to have yourself a big villa built, like Fishbourne Roman Villa, which is lovely. Went on a lot of school trips to Fishbourne Roman Villa. <laughs> you know then that's amazing. You have a hypercost, which means that you have underfloor heating and you have lovely mosaics and you have a Greek slave to read you Greek in bed and you have, you know, you can afford to get in a doctor. And so if you are reasonably well off and the empire potentially gives you more chances to be well off, then that's all great. But, (laughs) like, not everybody suddenly gets a house made out of wood with a toilet. (laughs) Or, uh, like, a doctor to come I mean, around. I feel like... I don't know. I've read a lot of Roman uh, medical They didn't have anything better. Sure you'd want a Roman doctor coming Probably around. Probably going on. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably not. Um, I'm not, like... I didn't have, like, super great medicine anyway. But, like, yes, you do get some of this stuff, and that is nice. But there is other stuff that you get which is kind of better although some of that's later like citizenship if you got citizenship that's really great because that meant that you got to be under roman law and like if you remember st paul shouting i am a roman citizen um that's because he has the right to be heard in a roman court and by written down law rather Mm -hmm. than kind of public custom which is what everywhere else had. Like, Roman written down law that applied to citizens is a really good thing. It means everybody sort of gets the same treatment. I would imagine men. Uh, not... Uh, depends what you're on trial for. <laughs> 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 uh, but technically, like, I mean, if you're on trial for adultery, then that's because you're a woman, because only women can commit adultery. Adultery means Naturally. sex with a married woman. So, you know, only women really can commit that. And unmarried men, I guess. So, not so much of a problem. Uh, (laughs) But if you are being on trial for murder or for treason or something, then it's basically the same. It's written down what happens. You've got the 12 tables. They say what happens. And you go to court and everybody goes, did they break this law? And you go, yes or no. And that is kind of better than going in front of some tribal king in Wessex um, and having them decide whether they like your face or if they you were going up in front of you know any old person and them saying I like your face I don't like your face um, or this is now illegal mm-hmm. um, the room is like a bit better at writing that stuff down so and everybody mm-hmm. gets Rome everybody in the empire gets Roman citizenship under Commodus in 212 so which is nice like everybody is now a Roman citizen which is yeah you know, better than being not a Roman citizen, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you get quite a lot of good stuff for being a Roman citizen. Well, that's nice. Yeah. And they would come to your town and build you an amphitheatre and then put, like, let you put on some gladiatorial games if you wanted to see people murder each other. And who doesn't? Who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> which... Again, I found, where was it? One of these lists that I found literally had, it was English Heritage, the English Heritage site, literally had towns as one of the things that the Romans brought because the Ro- like, there were literally no, <laughs> no real towns <laughs> in England before the Romans because apparently it was a shithole. <laughs> 
just like people pitching up a hut wherever they felt like it. Yeah, uh, just everybody in a hut around a circle. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is actually, there's a really good bit in Suetonius where he completely dismisses Claudius's invasion of Britain as being like just not worth it, really. Like, it was far away and a small scale and brought nothing to the empire. And he basically dismisses it like he invaded a shithole that nobody wanted. (laughs) (laughs) So, good, I guess. (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, you would get maybe some some roads leading between the towns and maybe a theatre if you were lucky. Which is more than you had before, because apparently all you had before was, (laughs) like, some mud to play with and a rock to throw. And then you got you got access to international trade. You got access to stuff from Italy, stuff from Syria, stuff from all over the world, which you certainly didn't really have before. You know, have you been to the have you been to the Brit- I don't know what I'm saying it in that tone of voice. Have you been to the British uh, Museum Roman galleries? Uh, yes, probably. Like there's yes, a- surely. <laughs> I've been to the British. I've been all through the British Museum. <laughs> I'll take you on a tour one day. Um, but there's a lot of silver there. There's a like big silver plate with a swastika in the middle of it, which is quite great. Mm-hmm. And there's and that all like most of that silver comes from Spain, for example. And this like the mines in Spain were huge. But then the flip side of that is you get that if you are a reasonably well-off person living in Kent or mm. France or. I feel like that's a common theme through. <laughs> most of the world all of the time yes it's pretty good if you're rich yes and not so good if unless we're talking about like the french revolution where it was not great if you were rich (laughs) mostly with empire you're talking about it was good if you were rich yes um yeah and the flip side of that is that there are a huge amount of people on whose back that richness is being built um Mm -hmm. there are a huge amount of soldiers who are living in shit conditions in shit places um, doing 20 year stints and there are an awful lot of slaves lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of slaves which is what the empire is built on the empire can't exist and none of these kind of cool inventions can exist like the Romans invented the arch which mm. was a big thing when I did my A-level ancient history uh, and my teacher kind of like taught us this that the Romans built the, the unsupported arch uh, whenever you see an unsupported arch in the ancient mm-hmm. world, it means that the Romans were there. Which is quite good fun if you go to Olympia in Greece, which the Greeks will try to sell you as being classical Greek buildings. Uh, <laughs> it's absolutely covered in arches. Um, <laughs> and Roman brick and concrete, which is two things. Like, Romans made things out of really small bricks and concrete, none of which the Greeks used at all. And so you go there and you're like, Roman, Roman, <laughs> Roman. There's a Greek thing. Yeah, it makes you really, again, really fun. <laughs> People love it when you well, actually, them, uh, as you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> well, actually... It's the, best, think... it's the best feeling in the world, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, so how, how far did the Roman Empire actually spread? Well, it's different times. At its height, it was from Hadrian's War into basically a rat mm-hmm. and that is under Trajan that didn't really last very long but it kind of the borders went up and down <laughs> uh-huh. you can see actually if you go on Wikipedia I won't I don't direct people to Wikipedia very often but there is a really good like little animated map on Wikipedia that shows like it growing and then the little fluctuations on the outside of the 
Trajan went to the east and marched around there and did lots of expansion and stamping on people's heads. Then you have all of North Africa, so like all of Tunisia and all the way through into Syria and then like bits of Arabia, Egypt, or like pushing into Asia. Armenia is like this point which is between the Parthian Empire and the Roman Empire. But Trajan basically went marching into Mesopotamia um, and into mm-hmm. Iraq. So that's like the furthest point of the empire. Okay. But it's big. Like it's really, really yeah. big. <laughs> There's a lot of There is a lot of it. And this is one of the ways in which using modern approaches to thinking about empire can be quite useful because like something that we do and something that we've been doing this whole time is talking about one the romans as if they were a static entity that was just the same when when you're talking about the expansion of the roman empire you're talking about like 220 bc through to say trajan at 117 ad and then the roman empire as in, as a whole, lasts until like, say, four, say four ten with the sack of Rome, and then, mm-hmm. which so we're already at six hundred years, and then if you want to count the Byzantine Empire, then you can keep going for as long as you like, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, say six hundred years of of Roman history, and then you have it covers this huge geographical area from freaking Beric upon Tweed to Armenia to Egypt. And you wouldn't say at any point that they had anything in common. And you wouldn't, like, if you and I were to start an empire and we conquered Beric and then conquered Syria, they would respond differently to us. Yes. And we would have to take different approaches to, I don't want to say pacify. But we would have to take different approaches to working with different people, like different people in... Bogner and people in Tunisia want different things from their rulers and that's and that's what they wanted at the time so one of the interesting things you get in the Roman Empire for example is that in the eastern half of the empire like kind of Asia Minor you have people you have have people being worshipped as gods because they had kind of fairly open approach to what they considered a god to be. And so you have like Augustus being worshipped as a god during his lifetime and you have Agrippina the Younger being worshipped being called a goddess and you have like everybody just gets worshipped as a god. Whereas in the west of the empire, so in Gaul and Italy and Spain, if you tried to say that Augustus was a god while he was alive, they would have laughed straight in your face. He couldn't be a god until he was dead. Sure. And then you then... needed a comet to go into heaven and for someone to say that they had seen a comet go into heaven. That makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. um, as long as someone saw the comet, Janine. <laughs> I mean, as long as someone said they saw the comet. Yeah. And why would you not? Why would you lie about that? I don't... Yeah. <laughs> you saying that he lied? <laughs> um <laughs> someone wrong yeah so you have you know they took very different approaches and they took very different approaches sometimes they went in with a big force sometimes they went in kind of slyly and built some things sometimes they kind of just hung around the outside until somebody willed it to them it kind of it depended on the what was happening in rome at the time and it depended what was happening in the specific place that they were trying to conquer at the time there's no homogenous roman and there's no homogenous roman empire and so talking about what the romans did for its colonized people people is you like we could sit here and go through every different roman province and we'd talk about them individually but that would be quite boring 
So the answer to what did the Romans do for the people that they colonised, which is a harder sentence to say than you would think, um, (laughs) (laughs) is good things and bad things. And it depended on who you were and who and where you were. And at any point during the many centuries of Roman colonisation of the Western world, there was different answers. Mm-hmm. That's good, isn't it? That's a sexy answer. Can you see why people stop talking to me at parties? I mean, no. <laughs> it's so sexy. I mean. <laughs> no, I'll tell you a sexy thing that the Romans did do, is they put dicks on everything. Uh... <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't think that's... Unique. It's they do. I tell you what, they of any. I don't know about like non-Western cultures because I have been stuck with the Romans for so long because I fell in love with them and they're like a rubbish boyfriend that you're in love with, but you're in love with them anyway. <laughs> they they put dicks on everything. <laughs> they. I mean, I do have an amazing photograph somewhere from the British Museum of the flying dick with a dick yes. tail and also a dick. It is. That's called a tintinabulum. They were like wind chimes that they hung outside their house and they are everywhere. <laughs> and they're like dicks with wings. And that one is a lion with a dick. It's a dick-headed lion. Uh, <laughs> with, with a dick tail. Yeah, and, with and wings a and a dick tail and that beneath that in the British Museum like so right at the this is right at the very back of the Roman galleries in the British Museum and I've been going there for years and years and every time I cackle like by the little pretend fountain um and beneath that there is what they've called an amulet which is two penises with arms and faces with a double-ended saw soaring in half an evil eye and maybe three inches across <laughs> like yeah right someone made that and then the, they've got all the it's book- saying something like interestingly and this is probably reading too much into it because eyes are eyes but also <laughs> eyes are kind of yonic and then you've got a dick soaring one in half yes and that, that's amazing and then they have, because basically a penis was like a sign of good luck um, and protection, mm-hmm. which is why they put it on everything. And so they have all of these like tiny little rings as in the same cabinet, teeny tiny, tiny rings for babies with penises on them. <laughs> and like <laughs> brooches, they're just a dick. And they're not, it's like, like being in a world of 14 year old boys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like the Romans, like, so well organised and efficient, they conquered half the world. And then put a dick on it. put dicks (laughs) literally everywhere. Yeah. At the moment, we've had snow over here in Ireland, and as a result, there's just dicks everywhere, because people are just drawing penises. And I say people, I mean, like, teenagers. Uh, on snow days, they're just making a snow penis. And that is what the Romans did. They just they just spent a, a lot of time making dicks out of stuff. And it's funny. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's one of the reasons why I will always love them, because, like, you're like, mm, yeah. Like, the reason that the Roman Empire is the model for the British Empire... No, the other way around. The reason that the British Empire modelled itself on the Roman Empire is because they all read these kind of terribly serious texts by Tacitus and Pliny and were like, oh, yes, this is what statesmanship should be. And we're going to... So why the 
British Museum looks like a Roman temple. Like they were like, this is what empire should be. It should be being all in white togas and walking around and saying, yes, 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 a lot. <laughs> and being, you know, being civilised in inverted commas. And they just kind of deliberately ignore the fact that there are dicks everywhere. <laughs> and so it's perfectly, like if you watch, I don't know, I, Claudius or something, and it's all like kind of white togas and white columns and what gets what gets called holly roam there's no penises and everything no one's wearing penis jewelry no one is hanging up their penis headed lion with a penis for a tail with a penis like <laughs> like there are no Just, dicks in i claudius where, where is the where is the historical accuracy? Where is the historical accuracy? <laughs> and for me, the thing that the Romans did the most is mostly dicks on everything, which means that I am constantly laughing. Um, <laughs> and filthy poetry, which got to survive, which is great. Although having said that, a lot of the filthy card poetry, Augustus kind of stamped out, which is a shame. That is a shame. Ruined it is everyone's fun. Augustus was a buzzkill. <laughs> If you read Catullus's poetry, it's all like, I will face fuck you and I will sodomize you. I'm going to come and I love you. Uh, what's he called? Lesbia. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's all filth or just being really mean about Julius Caesar. I once learnt from Pliny, the elder, how to deal with spots. Like if, like effectively? I mean, no, obviously not. <laughs> Like, not something you'd actually try. It was probably something like rub some hemlock on it. <laughs> I mean, this was... So I googled this. Mm-hmm. It turns out that there is a beer called Pliny the Elder. And 100% of the Google <laughs> results are to do with Pliny the Elder losing its top spot. <laughs> <laughs> In beer of the year competition. <laughs> Unbelievable. Here we go. So this is what I learned from Pliny the Elder about how you deal with spots. Mm-hmm. And it is something called cut leak. I think it might just be leaks. Okay. I mean, I've tried. Uh, I've tried banana skin, so it's not completely wild. Uh, it will staunch nosebleeds if if you pound it up and then stick it up your nose. <laughs> I suppose anything would. It will if you mix it with breast milk and then don't know what you do with it, but it apparently will stop bleeding after a miscarriage. Will stop coughs. And if you rub the leaves topically, it is employed for the cure of pimples, burns and ulcers. That's that's an impressive plant. Rub a leek on it, basically. (laughs) Also, if you rub it in with vinegar, then it'll treat snake bites, ear problems, headaches. In cases of headaches, the juice is injected into the nostrils. I'm I'm not going to lie, I'm sceptical. Do you remember a while ago I said you wouldn't necessarily want a Roman doctor to come round? I do remember. It's because they're going to smash up a leak and inject it up your nose because you said you had hair. (laughs) (laughs) Um... It will. I mean, I did not know that leeks could potentially do all these things. It will also cure jaundice, dropsy, nephretic pains, purges the uterus, which is an, causes an abortion. They can also act as an aphrodisiac, allay thirst, dispel the effects of drunkenness, but they will weaken the sight and cause flatulence. So, I believe the flatulence part. They also impart a remarkable clearness of voice. I believe the flatulence <laughs> part. <laughs> so next time you get a spot... 
rub a leak on it, see what happens. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of putting leaks in just everywhere. There's nowhere that nothing that leak can't do apparently. So there you go. Oddly, the Romans did yeah, not leave their medicine behind. Oh, <laughs> it's really died out as. <laughs> I bet you could find some kind of weird forum of oddballs doing this. Yeah, there's definitely uh, people who are anti-Big Pharma but pro-Roman medicine. (laughs) I mean, I... Somewhere on the internet. Yes. It is the blood of a hare's fetus that magicians recommend males to drink, while for young girls they recommend nine pellets of hare's dung to ensure a durable firmness to the breasts. I'm really glad (laughs) that I live right now here in 2018 uh-huh <laughs> it's quite nice here i mean it's a garbage fire but you know comparatively speaking i mean it was like history there's never been a time when it wasn't a garbage fire really this is like true. there's it's always a garbage fire there's always something this fucking is, shit happening this is the sub the subtitle of our podcast is History is sexy, the world has always been a garbage fire. Um, But at least right now, no one is ever going to try and put hair poo anywhere near you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very, very pleased to know. Nor are they going to attempt to prevent your breasts from becoming too large by rubbing them with sow's blood. (laughs) And I think we can all agree Um, that our lives are better for not having to do it. Yeah. Maybe we should do an episode on Roman medicine, because honestly... I forget, and then I go it's back in. Everything I never knew that I was glad I didn't have. Y- yeah. <laughs> it just is, like, stop rubbing the bodily fluids of other animals on people. Yeah, don't just do it. Just don't do it. Top tip. Yeah, just refrain. Just, if you can, quash that urge. You could forget your former love if you drank the urine of a male goat. Uh-huh. So if you want to go over someone. Um, Sure. I mean, I feel like that would have to be one traumatic breakup for you to take that particular step. Anyway, should we talk about something relevant? Yes. Um, I can't remember where we were <laughs> when we were talking about something relevant, but I got distracted and started talking about, <laughs> about Pliny and disgusting medicine. Um, you can't really say that the Roman influence on either their world or our world is homogeneously good or homogeneously bad because in the end it is a it's very diverse experiences one of the things that was interesting about a lot of the like when I was kind of researching this and when I say researching this I mean looking at what other people had put in lists is that they all just (laughs) find good things um and so they say and I'm guilty of this myself because I wrote a blog post in like 2014 um where they say, like, here is a bunch of of stuff the Romans did and therefore it is good. So there was a BBC series in 2000 and it had siege warfare as one of the things that the Romans did for us. Um, and high-rise apartments, which were death traps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they still are, we've learned that. Yeah, but these were made of wood. About mm-hmm. six inches mm-hmm. yeah, away. It doesn't, doesn't sound like the best idea. Yeah, and it, like there is a, a very much a sense in that that empire in itself and technology in itself is a good thing and architecture in and of itself is good as if the the people who were suddenly who were living in a then i don't know nice mud hut and are now living in a high rise that's on fire potentially didn't think that was good 
uh, and the slaves that built the roads almost certainly didn't think that it was good and so on and so forth when really it, it is it is considerably more complicated than that it is not it's not a universal good to have a road if you see what i mean sure but that doesn't mean that it's a universal bad either because there are benefits in the kind of grand scope of history i'm always very kind of reluctant to talk about the grand scape of history because i feel like what you end up with is it, it gives permission for people to say that it doesn't matter that a hundred slaves died because you've got a really mm-hmm. cool road out of it and in the end in a thousand years time we'll only remember the road and the man who built the road and so that almost gives permission for people in the modern world to not care that they have killed however many because it, in the pursuit of what they're doing and then you end up with like silicon sure. valley yeah the <laughs> whole thing of the, the the greater good and sacrificing exactly. people who don't have a choice about whether or not they are sacrificed exactly and in order to and you and you end up with people who say like there is a very good book by bernard mcclaverty about the troubles called cal in which certain characters talk about the troubles and talk about people dying in war and that not being the important bit the important bit is the cause and the and and history and in the end what is remembered and that there is that tension there of is the thing important or is the or, or are the people that are here right now important and you kind of have to tear yourself between those two things in a way in order to to be an an ethical historian i think um because you can't Mm -hmm. say the thing is important the empire the romanness the idea of rome in all its glory and the city of marble is more important than the people who suffered and died for that but at the same time do you like where where do you where do you balance that out i suppose um it's an unanswerable question. <laughs> yeah, and it also starts to get into the speculation. Like, if you're going to, to talk about what impact a certain historical event or civilization had on the world, like you can you can look at what happened, but you can't look at what would have happened if they hadn't. Yeah, done what they did, and there, there's no way to know. So it can't. You can't say objectively the world is better because of the Roman yeah. Empire. Because you, there's no way to know that. Yes, and and so I am always very wary of a, a, partic- a particularly English um, attempts to do that um, and say that the world is better. And where really there are roads and arches and high rises and another one that's in that um, TV show is coin-operated water dispensers. Like, they are <laughs> neither a good nor a bad. They're a neutral. They're a technology. <laughs> yeah. Um and it's not the thing that I love about history and the reason that I like history so much and that what I focus on in all of the history that I do is in the end is people and did that actually make people's lives better mm. uh, was a coin operated water dispenser better better than just having a stream <laughs> yeah because uh, that sounds like Silicon Valley to me like oh remember when you used to have a shop or well, now you have a coin operated water dispenser and and people's stories and people's experiences and people's lives are interesting to me and it's why I find for all the fact that I find dick lions with dick tails and dicks and wings funny because it's funny. I also find it like somebody owned that and somebody hung it outside their house and somebody had it and hoped they would bring them good luck. And 
that's the interesting thing about the Roman world to me, rather than the idea of Romanness and the glorious yeah. empire. And so I will always lean towards the the feeling that may like that I would not build the road on the back of the the back of the other people. <laughs> yeah. But and so the what did the Romans ever do for us is kind of a a considerably more difficult question than I mean, it's also a, a reductive question. It's a very question. reductive question. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I feel like we're going to end everything with, well, that was a very reductive question. As it turns out, it's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> this is the thing about history and why I find that. So, like, I, fi- there is, I love history. I also find it vaguely panicking. <laughs> when, I, when I studied at a high school, I studied all through high school and I loved it because it was stories about people and it was interesting and exciting. And then when I went back... Um, and studied at university, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can't know anything about anything because everything is connected and I can't know everything. So my opinions on anything are incomplete. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I became very, very overwhelmed. And I talked to my uh, lecturer about it and he was like, that never goes away. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, because, you know, I have my... Uh, we talked about Judea a bit and there are people who have dedicated 30-year careers, 40-year careers to studying very specifically, like specific points of, of of history and the relationship between Judea and Rome, and who would be able to discuss it for 10 years and, you know, hundreds of books written about it, and I have not read them. And so I've just kind of done grand sweeping statements about it instead, but... But that's okay. I figure it's like knitting yeah. a bit in the when I look at knitting I'm like that looks fucking impossible. Like how you built you knitted a whole blanket in like nine colours. But then when I knit, you just do one stitch after another and then you knit a stitch and pearl a stitch and slip a stitch and 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 in a way, you know, history is it's okay to be really interested in one stitch <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not know about all the other stitches. Yeah. I mean, it has to be, because there's literally no other option. No, it's true. There's a lot of it. And the answer to all history is it's a bit more complicated than that, but that's okay. Yeah. That's the end of the podcast, because the answer to all of the questions is, well, it's very complicated. (laughs) (laughs) But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask them. So if you have any historical questions that you would like answered, things that you would like researched, but you don't want to research yourself. Then ask us. You can tweet at us ask us we are on twitter we are on twitter we are on twitter at, at sexy history pod what are we going to talk about next time janina um next time we are going to talk about world war one what was the deal with all that yeah what the fuck was world war one about we're gonna find out hooray, hooray. bye janina <laughs> bye emma